Oh, but we have not come to blame Canada. We've come to praise her. It's a good song choice, though. Uh, yeah, um, when, when you're talking about Canada, I mean, apologies to uh, Neil Young and Brian Adams and Joni Mitchell and Corey Hart and Honeymoon Suite. You got to go with Blame Canada. <laughs> it just sets the right mood. Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com, talking about the best in Canadian horror this week. Because we love Canada. We do love sometimes Canada. Sometimes known as America's hat. No, not but, really. Uh, <laughs> on some t-shirts I have seen. <laughs> but uh, some good uh, horror imports uh, from Canada to talk about. But first, we've got to say a huge, huge thank you to uh, our buddy Neil, our, our uh, favorite and uh, senior Stephen King correspondent for last week's podcast. Because right. it went over pretty darn well. And Yeah, Dr. Neil McRobert. And I think that what we've learned maybe from this, first of all, he has a really awesome accent. And he sounded great. But also, I think maybe people like when there is a, an opinion that isn't really mine, overwhelming an episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> well, no, I, what's good is, I think that's sometimes, that is to our detriment, I think, is that we agree so yeah, often. Yeah, You know, it's good to get uh, differing opinions. Some conflict. Some conflict, a little bit. And we didn't come to blows at all. No. But he had some great things to say because, obviously, he's done a lot of studying of Stephen King. So yeah. he had a lot of insight yeah. that, that we that we didn't uh, through the books and how the movies treated them and why or why not uh, or why he liked them or didn't and thought they were successful and sometimes they were different than what we thought. Yeah. So so that was great. We had a lot of people chime in that it was the best podcast we've done yet. I have to agree. In fact, I told you that. Yeah, you uh, when did. I, when I was mixing it after we got done talking to Neil and I was mixing it all down with the sound clips and everything, I said, uh, you know what? This was probably the best one. So uh, so with that, we're retiring. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was awesome. So, Neil, thank you. Thank you for the great uh, feedback. Everybody chiming in about it. Everybody seemed to like it. So not, not only is it a really good topic, because Stephen King, especially The Shining, yeah. is always good to talk about, but, uh, but he had such great, uh, great things to say. So thank you to, to Neil. Thank you for uh, the feedback to everybody. Keep it coming as always. But we are moving on, and we'll try to uh, keep those standards just as high right? As we, uh, as we talk about Canadian horror this week. So overall, do you just have any thoughts, top of your head, when you think about Canadian horror? What comes to mind? What's well, their think, trademark? Well, here's the thing. Um, almost any movie can be considered Canadian horror because so many people film in Canada because it's, it's so much less expensive and they have, you know, uh, so I, I felt like I needed to clarify that the, the films that we're going to talk about today, they were filmed in Canada and they were also made by Canadians. So that's the main thing that's going to separate these because if you were to like Google, you know, Canadian horror films, you're going to get like everything that comes up and that's not what our goal was is, you know, some American films that were filmed in, in Canada. That's right. what we were looking for. We're looking for actual Canadian filmmakers making horror films. So that's where it starts. Canadian filmmakers. Yes. A okay. And they're filming in Canada. So for example, Cronenberg uh was probably the most famous Canadian filmmaker, but at a certain point in his career, he kind of stopped filming in Canada. He kind of came south films here so we we're going to focus mainly on uh, on the his actual canadian output okay we always have to establish the rules that's right establish the guidelines first before we move <laughs> on but that seems fair because uh you know so many that you might think of that some people might think well that's a canadian film you would say well maybe not right uh, and vice versa so that's good so those are the ground rules so let's get at it uh number five this is one from just last year and somehow this one slipped through the cracks, because this was a new one to me, but I love the title. It's called Bloody Knuckles. With freedom comes great responsibility. Very unfortunate that some choose to exploit their freedoms to cause harm and disrespect. 
You destroyed our comics. I've gone crazy. Time to get your balls back. What the fuck did you do? They'll kill us all. I want comic book boy brought to me. This incident ends tonight. So this is a fun one, and I have to admit that we had there was kind of a battle for number five, um, and and this is uh, really new, and uh, probably most people haven't had the chance to see it. I would guess because I think it sort of just recently jumped off the um, you know festival circuit, and I think that you can get it online, and you could or you can get the DVD at this point. So it's uh, it's a story of a, a comic book artist whose Vulgarian Invasion comics are very underground and and very inflammatory, and they. Uh, they at one point uh, uh, he writes a big comic book making fun of local thug Mister Fong, who takes issue and and cuts off the offending hand, Ouch. the drawing hand, right? But um, drawing hand comes to life and uh, and really spends most of its time beating up the artist for being a wussy and giving up on his dream of upsetting the establishment, and and it's really just a big sort of. Mash note to free speech is what this movie is. And it's very, very low budget. Um, and it just reminds you of trauma. That's what it reminds you of. The best of the, of trauma films. Just very underground and in your face and funny and gross. And, uh, given the subject matter, uh, appropriately non PC. But what's funny about Canadian films is that even the ones that are really, really inflammatory, they all seem so polite about it. <laughs> so this one, I mean, it's almost adorably un PC, this movie, but it's, it's really fun and really funny. And, uh, you know, some of the comic book characters sort of come to life. Like he's, he's drawn these, these really provocative comic book characters, but, but people have sort of embraced that. And, you know, and, and, uh, and so there's, um, some really funny characters, especially toward like the halfway mark that are, that, you know, it's just, it's fun. It's really fun. It's gross. It's lowbrow, um, very in your face, but super fun. Yeah. It had that look about it. And I have to say, it reminded me right away, and I wish I could remember the title, but uh, growing up, my mom always said the, the uh, movie that scared her the most uh, as a kid, and then she saw Psycho and she was, you know, older when she saw Psycho, which scared her. But as a kid, it was some movie about a disembodied hand and I, I was looking it up and I, I don't think it was the hand there's not a movie called the hand that was old enough uh to be that movie but whatever it was she said that just scared the bejesus out of her <laughs> but there was this hand crawling around when and it certainly didn't have the fun vibe uh that bloody knuckles does but i, I think you're right um the uh look of the the hand is just just disgusted with the with the man yes absolutely <laughs> which i think just, is funny yeah absolutely and really just beats the tar out of him in several different scenes that are that are pretty hilarious actually you know of course it's really obviously just the actor throwing himself against a yeah. you know a, a, a cupboard and stuff like that but it's it's really very funny and the guy uh the director matt o mm-hmm. is that uh, that what he goes by just matt o apparently he used to be matt o mahoney and uh, but now he's just Matt. Oh, that's how he's building this movie. So, uh, you know, and it's like the movie, you know, just no time for extras. Just gets right at it. It's just, you know, no time for a complete last. Name. No, no time. Let's just get to it. Let's just <laughs> no time. Yeah. And it has the um, well, you say it's low budget. Uh, to me, it didn't look ultra, ultra low budget. I mean, it certainly looked like they didn't have a massive, uh, you know, Hollywood budget, but they get by. Yeah, they know he does a really good job with with clear limitations. You know, the uh, the acting isn't awesome but it's not you know i mean given the the parameters the type of film it is it's, it's not bad either i mean yeah. the acting is considerably considerably better than what you would find in a trauma film you know it reminds you of trauma only better it seemed a little bit very first evil dead yeah i can see that 
Um, but I have to I have to admit that uh, much as I really did enjoy this film, it almost didn't make the list because there's this one phenomenally weird 80s movie out of Canada and our senior gay correspondent John Tice is with me on this we love this movie I can't say it's good and I can't fully recommend it but I can't get it out of my head <laughs> so the other the, the film that almost made number five is called Pin and it's about sort of these very sheltered overprotected uh, brother and sister whose whose father is a doctor and he uses his anatomically correct medical doll to teach them lessons so he throws his voice and this anatomically correct full-sized male doll babysits for the kids and teaches them lessons about life and um the girl she has her own specific response to that as she gets older i bet yeah and the boy just goes insane he's just insane because he believes and they call him pin because when they were kids uh, short for pinocchio like the you know the doll that comes to life and oh. um the boy believes that he is real, and so it's it's got kind of a psycho thing where he you know he's killing people, but he thinks it's Pin who's killing people, and um, it's the weirdest movie. It's the weirdest movie, um, and so for that reason, I think I have to recommend it. <laughs> okay, but not enough to get it a a fuzzy math top six, top five. You just want to talk. You just want to. Say that it's out there. <laughs> it's right. You... I'm not, because the thing is, it's not a good movie, not by a far stretch. It's just so bizarre that it, it really it really compels interest. I just feel like you should see it anyway, even though you're kind of sort of going to hate it. But on the other hand, you're kind of going to be glad you watched it, I think. Well, and now, I think John Tice agrees. Well, now you've got the curiosity factor up. So oh, everybody's, absolutely. everybody's going right now, Pin, i got to see this thing. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, I think you can find the entire thing. I think you can find the whole movie on YouTube. So right. that way you're not wasting cash on it. Okay. But. So we're, we're talking about it's a, what, do you, what would you call it? Honorable mention, maybe. Yeah. I, uh, I think or, that's or right. Or dishonorable mention. <laughs> a mention. Let's put it that way. So it's kind of resting comfortably between number five and number four in that little uh, no-man's land. But we will go up to number four. One uh, is definitely a favorite here, and it's from 2012 American Mary. Can we a doctor? Surgeon. I'm changing specialties, Dr. Grant. Have you ever heard of body modification? Do you think I'm crazy? So twins and Canadians, Jen and Sylvia Soska, yeah, they make buddies. That's right, my buddies. You know that they had to make this list. Um, and and uh, American Mary, which is it's ironically titled, right? Because it's clearly set in Canada. They never call her American Mary. My guess is that originally it was supposed to be called Bloody Mary, and they realized there were too many movies called Bloody Mary, so they settled on something else. Yeah, that's a good theory. Uh, yeah, that's just yeah, it's my working theory. <laughs> You know, it's about a med student who uh, needs money and she finds herself drawn into this world of um, sort of bizarre, um, intentional uh, cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Like people who want horns or people who want new orifices or just people <laughs> who want really crazy, crazy surgeries. And that's how she starts paying the bills. And yet one of the doctors, you know, at the school assumes that she's a prostitute now. And so bad things happen to her and she is not the person to do bad things to because she's got a, a specific set of skills. Right. And this one, in a way, and I know we've talked about this before, but uh, the people that haven't heard that podcast, this is, for me anyway, looking at your reaction to it, it's a little bit different because 
often you don't like the revenge uh, fantasy horror, and this one goes down that road. It does. It's an interesting movie, uh, regardless of, of that particular... And I don't always hate that, but it's certainly not my favorite um, element in a movie. But it's very... The, the movie is um, is very like an inside-out noir, you know, where you've got the raven-haired dame who's nothing but trouble, mm-hmm. but she's our point-of-view character, is, is, rather than having, like, the, the tough guy who shouldn't get mixed up with there be our point-of-view character. So it, made it, it's, it, it gives the whole thing sort of a fresh, interesting feel. And it's borderline horror until like the third act yeah you know it's it 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 takes its time getting where it's going it develops characters it develops this very very weird atmosphere this very strange group of people but they're fascinating because of that and then when it goes when it goes horror it's like but that is a see right there is a thing that i think so many not just horror films so many films in general get wrong if you rush it then it doesn't have the resonance. Make it a gradual yeah. uh, descent into this world and a gradual descent into how uh, horrific this woman's uh, situation is going to become and how she's going to react to it. The, you know, the slow burn, to yeah. me, makes it that much better. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And Catherine Isabel plays Mary, and we're going to talk about her again later on this podcast. And she's just magnificent. And it's interesting because in the very beginning of the film, she's a weirdo. She's a freak. She's like sewing up chicken carcasses as she's preparing for some class. But the film has her as like a human being right on the verge, like on the verge. She's out of money, but she's got this talent and she knows what she wants to be. And it's, and it's, a, and it's, a, it's an interesting way the Soska sisters develop that and then take it places because it's like it could go any way right now. Like right now is a is a you know it's a very crossroads moment for her. Where is it going to go? And then you, you would never guess every place that it leads. At, mm-hmm. Nor does she guess every place that it leads. And it's just it's just a really well developed, smartly written, interesting film. So there, and there's definitely some empowering themes in there as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or you know, yeah, take control. Mm-hmm. Certainly, don't be victimized. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think you're right. The the, the uh, performances, the lead performance. In general, um, what'd you say her name was? Catherine after? Isabel. Yeah, very, very impressive. But yeah, the mood, yeah. Uh, the atmosphere, the slow burn that we talked about before makes uh, makes it more effective when it gets to where it's going. Yeah, and there are a couple of nods to other Canadian horror films in this one, which I appreciate because it's not like they're nods to just generally speaking horror films. They're not. They are nods specifically to Canadian horror films, which I thought was nice. And what are uh, what are the sisters up to these days? Do we know? Um, they did a couple of, of, uh, of shorts that were in some of the, you know, like the ABCs of death Two. they had one in there. And actually, um, uh, one of the stars of American Mary is, is in their short in for, uh, uh, ABCs of death Two, And, um, and then they did see no evil Two, which I think was just dir- directed to VOD. I don't think it ever had a theatrical release. Uh, but that's with, um, Danielle Harris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scream Queen. Yeah. Daniel she kicks some ass in Well, that a one. quick look at IMDb uh, says, as far as directing, they did one earlier this year that we completely missed uh, called Vendetta. Like a detective pushed beyond his limits. So uh, not a horror movie, kind of a thriller. Uh, so we missed that completely. But that was what they did earlier this year. We will have to find we it. We will have to check it out. Doesn't look like a horror movie, but still can be good. You never yeah. know. So that <laughs> is uh, that is number four, American Mary from 2012 on our list of Canadian horror. And this was one uh, that kind of freaked us out uh, when we first saw it. And I, I think we first, it was must have been on a list of, of movies that just got it on our radar. Right. That we had to seek it out. And it's definitely interesting and one worth checking out. Number three on our list from 97, it's called Cube. Just 
anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. You're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here. We need to get around the trap. They're identified by prime numbers. We'll figure it out. I can't. I'm not dying in a rat maze. We are the key. The key is us. So this is one where, uh, as you could tell from the trailer, uh, you've got some people thrown into... Almost like a, a huge Rubik's Cube kind right, of thing, a right. deadly Rubik's Cube with all sorts of traps uh, and, and moving uh, pieces, and they have to find a way out. They have to use their wits to find a way out. And it's if you saw the one, uh, the one Alien Predator movie, they had kind of the same, uh, there's a sequence in there where they're in rooms, they're trapped in a room that moves, and at certain, it'll move like a like a prism, and then open up a completely new room that you might be in. It's kind of that same deal, but uh, it certainly has a lot of traps laid for them. But there is a way out if they're smart enough to, to figure it out. And, and it's interesting where it goes. Sort of a low-budget look to it, um, I think, but uh, interesting. Yeah, one of the things I need to just admit is that, so the director, um, Vincenzo Natale, he's actually from Michigan, but... He uh, he was educated in Toronto, and he makes all of his films out of out of Canada. So that's how this made the list because it's a great movie. Um, and it's you know it's in the way that they uh, they collect random strangers, right? It's it predates Saw, but it's got a very Saw feel about it in that particular sense. Is that they collect these people? You're not sure why exactly, but they have a task in front of them, and they don't know what it is. And if they don't succeed, they're going to die. So. Right. Um, so, you know, if Saw is compelling to you for that reason, I think that you would probably like Q. One of the reasons that there are two reasons why this movie I find so incredibly freaky. One is because I'm profoundly claustrophobic and it has you trapped inside a windowless, <laughs> you know, there's nothing. Oh, that completely freaked me out the entire time. But then the other thing is just the knowledge that as soon as they say prime numbers, I realize, oh, I'm going to die then. Like, yeah, like I realized, I think 20 minutes in. I would be one of the people who didn't survive it. Like I don't have, I don't have what it takes to make it out of this. Um, so that was, that's sad for me. Yeah, and there are not only is it obviously claustrophobic uh, just from the very nature of it, but the way it's shot, the um, the different traps they come up with. Uh, yeah, saw comes to mind, but I think we talked before. Saw kind of has always left me cold. Although the first one is all right, I suppose. But anyway. Um, they get some inventive, inventive kills, I yeah, guess, is do. what I'm going for. Yeah. And how they, uh, the, the people slowly start catching on to certain, the certain way that it's done and certain things that will cause the cube to move, to go in motion and to trigger things off. It's, it's, it's interesting how they slowly come around to it. It is, um, and and how uh, after a while the individual characters have a sense of, why they're there and it's not like unlike saw it's not some sin they've committed it's actually some skill that they have um is why that these the people have been collected and then it's just interesting you know the the longer it wears on the more it gets to them who is willing to help another person who is willing to do damage to another person and when actually in the end who's willing to do damage to themselves i mean it's it's uh it starts off as a as you know um, just this claustrophobic horror, and it winds up sort of a really interesting character study about these this group of people. Um, it sort of upends a lot of horror film cliches where you sort of feel like, well, this guy represents this, so he's going to make it, or this guy, you know what I mean? Uh, it's very, I think, um, 
unpredictable in that way in 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 who survives and who doesn't survive a lot of times i think when you watch a movie like this you feel like you can figure it out for yourself this could be the first to die this will be the second and uh, and uh, not the case in this one and, and originally um i guess there are different there is an alternate ending Ooh. yeah that we haven't seen i i think it was the um from what i've read the director's original ending that he scrapped and i don't want to give too many spoilers away because i i did like the ending in in this movie the way once they boy i don't want to give but no, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like the ending <laughs> i did like the ending but if you do some reading on it and i don't know whether the original um ending is out there uh, on youtube i haven't found it but you can read about what the original ending was intended and i think if you're like us you'll agree that he was right to go with the ending that he went with Let's put it that way, without giving away too much. But uh, yeah, it, it, it gets fascinating um, yeah. and 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 tense. Um, you know, the acting can you know has its hits and misses. Right. Uh, some are better than others, and that's why maybe that's what I mean by saying it looks a little, little low rent, little, little little low low yeah. rent. Yeah. But it's almost one to me. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't been remade. Yeah, I can see that because of all. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, because it's been when did when did we say it came 97. out 97 so there you go yeah. it's been long enough and it's under the radar enough that uh, you could do a, a big big budget one with all sorts of CGI or yeah. all sorts of special effects with the cube you could totally ruin it <laughs> exactly right <laughs> you could totally ruin it so forget i even said anything <laughs> no but just on you know how things get remade i'm yeah. i'm kind of surprised that uh, that it didn't but uh, definitely worth checking out if you haven't already so we'll we'll call it a Canadian film. Yes, because he lives there and he's uh, and he's been educated there and he makes all of his movies there. And so, yeah, we're going to... And then, you know, another one the same guy made about a dozen years later that I didn't really make the list, but I think is worth mentioning is Splice. Oh, yeah. That's a... Uh, oh, you're going there. That movie. is a hot mess, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, d- I just realized I said... I should have said that stayed up north because we're not allowed to say that word. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, Splice. Wow, that was him? It was. Woo! It was. Yeah. We saw that in the theater, we didn't did. we? did. And we were like, oh, <laughs> so. A, so, so you went there then. <laughs> wow. Oh, but uh, that uh, gets off the list a little bit. Let's get back on it. Uh, number two on our list of best Canadian horror. This one has come up in our conversations as well. Several times for good reason. From 2000, Ginger Snaps. All it takes is one night and one bite. Let's get out of here. Ginger's changing. How do you feel? Wicked. They're just being normal teenage girls. Yeah, this one has been a favorite. It may sound familiar because it popped up on our best werewolf list. And the best feminist. It popped up on our best feminist list uh, because because it's both. It, it uses the werewolf, um, I don't want to say analogy, the were- werewolf metaphor. Right. Uh, there you go. To, uh, to use w- women growing up, women coming into their womanhood mm-hmm. and, and makes it a uh, very interesting, very interesting take on these uh, gingers. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, so many horror films, it's just about that. It's just this sort of hyper panic about the onslaught of womanhood. I mean, it's uh, there are the the number of films that that that's the core concept are legion. And uh, and this one, first of all, is very, very funny in the way it does it. But also, as we mentioned before, the werewolf is almost always uh, linked to men. 
So the the fact that they just use the exact same metaphor to just to to um, you know articulate a female coming of age, I thought was fascinating oh, and yeah. very subversive. And it it's almost like why did it take so long? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, but it works on. Uh, there's humor. There's dark humor. There's subversive humor, and it's it's very smartly written and well acted. Yeah, and funny. It is. You funny. know, it's you know, it's just so clever, and it's just the entire film is is littered with just fun puns, visual puns. Um, you know, excellent lines, and the two characters. So it's so it's two sisters who are outcasts in their high school. They hate everybody in their high school, which is a, a feeling that the high school basically returns to them. <laughs> and on the night of of uh, Ginger's period, her first period, uh, the curse. She also because she also is bitten by a werewolf. Um, and you know, it's and in that way, in a lot of ways, because it's very much a high school horror movie. It it, it conjures uh, Carrie a lot. It's just somebody with very very late with their period, and then something else visits them at the same time. Mm. Um, but Mimi Rogers plays the girl's mother, and she's hilarious. <laughs> Um, just the whole movie is really funny. It's scary, and it's all—it's clearly fairly low budget. But I think, and and low budget plus werewolf does not go together very well right. usually. But I think they do a nice job in working around yeah, it. Some do. I mean, Dog, dog Soldiers pulled it off, uh, and this one does. And I think what another thing this movie does well that can be a trap for a lot of movies. There's a point where you can take self-aware too far, yeah, and it becomes almost parody. Almost no, you don't get it. But but they don't. Right. Uh, they're self-aware enough to make it a little a little wink wink, not too much, but to to know that they they realize the genre they're working in, and they're not making fun of it, but they're taking it in smart different directions, almost in a subversive way, as yeah. you say. Yeah. And the thing, so and there are two sequels, and we've always mentioned the two sequels as well. Every time we talk about this, because they are they're surprisingly solid, and they are Canadian. Although. Uh, John Fawcett, who directed the original, doesn't direct either of the sequels. More importantly, I think Karen Walton, who who wrote the original, she does not write the that, sequels. Yeah, and it's yeah, as, as you say all the time, the it writing. always starts with the writing. Always, the writing is so clever on this. But I mean, they're both we're seeing. One is a, is a, an immediate um, sequel, right? Uh, Ginger Steps Unleashed, uh, which just uh, here's what happens next. And then the other is this weird flashback to like the 1800s, you know, frontiers life where with like ancestors of of the girls and it's interesting too i mean neither one of them are are you know complete rock stars like the original but they're both we're seeing mm-hmm. okay and weirdly so, enough they both come out in the same year they both came out in 2004 that is, yeah that is weird uh that's that's very weird but uh number two on our list the original ginger snaps and that takes us up to number one a legendary director a film that has become a cult classic absolutely and it's uh, the top of our list from 1983 all the way back videodrome <laughs> Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He Listen has up. been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. I almost feel like I have to explain why, of all the Cronenberg options, we picked Videodrome. Right. Although a lot of you are probably thinking, well, yes, that's an excellent choice. But others are going, where's scanners? Right. Where's dead ringers? Right. Where's rabid? Where's uh, shivers? I mean, he does so many. He did so many. But so Videodrome was the last fully Canadian film that he made. And I think the last full, true, 100 percent horror film that he made, Hmm. Um, you know, the fly 
uh, came next. It clearly a Hollywood film. It was made yeah. here in the states. Big yeah. budget, big actors. Not. I mean, it's it's horror sci-fi, right? Um, uh, Dead yeah. Ringers. He's even said he doesn't think that Dead Ringers is a horror movie. Although, yeah, I've, but you, I was going to say, I've made an argument <laughs> against that. You know, you know, and then he did, and then he, he moved on. You know, he did Naked Lunch, and he did, and the things that he's he, he's done most recently, yeah. some masterpieces, but not horror Maps films. Of the stars, Maps yeah. of the stars, yeah. yeah. Um, Eastern Promises. Oh yes. uh, I mean, he yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant all time favorite. And uh, and I also only wanted to choose one because I felt like we could easily do an entire podcast on just Cronenberg, which we no doubt will do at some point. So I just wanted to choose one. Um, I think that if you compare Videodrome to the rest of his uh, early work, his Canadian work, his, his strictly horror film work, you know, it has the best cast. It has the most um, compelling storyline. It has it looks the best. I mean, it's the most, I think, professional uh, and it, but it, but he doesn't lose any of those Cronenbergisms. I mean, it's incredibly weird. Yeah. And he's completely preoccupied with the human body of and course. with technology simultaneously. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So while uh, there are really great arguments for a whole bunch of his other movies, this is why I chose Videodrome, and this is why Videodrome is at the top. <laughs> and you rest your case. Uh, the funny thing I remember about this, it came out when I was a senior in high school, and everybody, the talk was. The Debbie Harry right. was in him because Debbie Harry was on still on top of the world. Yeah. In, 19, in 1983, in yeah, 1983. She was. Oh, yeah. yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the big thing. It was almost like uh, back when uh, when uh, the movie version of Tommy came out. And even though Elton John had such a small part, it was uh, Elton John stars in Tommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, so Debbie Harry, not the star, but if you'd look at the, even at the old movie poster, yeah. she gets a bigger bill yeah. than James Woods than James does. Woods. And yeah. if you're not familiar with the movie, you know, James Woods is, as he always is, he's just like a creepy executive. And he, but in this case, he works for like a, it's a, a TV station, like a, you know, like a pirate TV station. And he it believes that this, he believes he stumbled across uh, like a, a snuff TV show out of Malaysia, I think. And he thinks this is the future. If he can just pirate that to his radio, his TV station, people will stay up all night and watch people stumble into this uh, warehouse and be murdered in front of them. And then, um, and then it gets weird. Like that's not weird enough, yeah, that's right? Not, yeah. Well, it's all it's all a corporate conspiracy, right? And uh, and it's the 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 TV waves are giving people um, brain tumors that's making them hallucinate. Or is it really changing everything? And is there really a VCR in James Woods's belly? Yeah, and there's that classic sequence of him and the TV. Oh yeah, uh, that has become I- iconic. And you know, when you think about when this came out and with the, the technology uh, at the time, yeah. you know what? He had a lot of very, very clear things to say that you look back on it now and think, you know what? Those, yeah. have held, those thoughts have held up pretty well. Oh, yeah. You know, and in terms of, of I mean, he he has always been, I, th- I mean, he's very um, clinical in his, in his, I think, approach to bodily horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I think when you watch The Fly toward the end where he becomes the machine, where he and the machine become one thing, uh, clearly that started here. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just, a, I think, a fascination that Cronenberg must have that I don't think if somebody just presented it to me, I would think, oh, that doesn't sound very interesting. But then when you watch it, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> what the hell is going on right there? Did yeah. he just pull a gun out of his belly? And like, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, it's a fascinating, incredibly bizarre, so bizarre that I think in most hands it wouldn't have worked. But but Cronenberg just knows exactly what he's doing. He has a vision unlike anybody else's, and, and he just always sees it through. And for me, even though I might prefer to watch something like, I might, you know, I'd rather watch The Brood or I'd rather watch Shivers, um, like on a whatever, Saturday afternoon. Um, I think that Videodrome, to that point in his career, was probably his most accomplished work. Mm-hmm. 
And, and today, the the message holds up. Yeah, I think absolutely. it really does, especially when you think about when with the year that he was he was uh, making that and putting that message out there. So number one, Canadian horror, David Cronenberg's Videodrome, and that sets us up for we've talked about in the future looking at the works of just one director. Um, so he's probably on the list, but not. Uh, we're going to go somewhere else first, right? Yeah, I think the first one we're going to do next week is Takashi Miike, because weirdly enough, we have almost never talked about any of his movies. I don't know how that's possible. That is weird. Yeah, because we're huge fans of his. Oh yeah. Um, and so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dedicate le- next week's podcast to the five best films of Takashi Miike. Good stuff. There'll be some. People that are uh, beaten up. Yes. Pretty yes. good. <laughs> Some folks who can take abuse. Uh, definitely. And uh, so that's next week. Also, if you're in the central Ohio area, we want to invite you out on the 11th, November 11th. It's the uh, next date of our next Fright Club Live Woo! event going on at the Gateway Film Center right there on campus. We're going to be doing, uh, once again, we're going to be taping the podcast live. Lots of great prizes, lots of fun. We're going to be showing The Orphanage, which is such a great oh my god, it's, ghost story. And it's so beautiful. I mean, it's it is, such yeah. a gorgeous movie to watch that I'm very excited to get a chance to show it to people on a big screen. Yeah. It'll be awesome. And we'll count down the top five Spanish language horror films. That's right. So, so there's some good ones there. So uh, good stuff coming up. Hope you can make that if you're in our area. And if not, well, as always, keep the conversation going on Twitter. We are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on uh, Facebook. That is Mad Wolf Columbus. And uh, also, if you uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, rate us. That's right. Give us a, you know, give us a give us a rating, preferably a good one. But you know what? Just just be honest. Chime give in. us a rating. You Chime can also, in. you know, uh, we're we're hosted by Golden Spiral Media. They have a ton of really great podcasts, including our friend Corey Metcalf's Triple Cast. So you can pop over there, listen to some of the other podcasts, and you can leave us a comment at Golden Spiral Media as well. Yeah. And one of the things that we would like to know, what filmmaker or it could be also an actor or actress, somebody who's had a, a good career in horror that you feel like deserves an entire podcast. And just and we've Cronenberg has come up actually several times. We've had several recommendations for that one. And then uh, just this week uh, on Twitter, Stephen Perez recommended Val Luton. And I would not have thought of that, but wow, that's quite a career. And that'll yeah. be an interesting thing to maybe talk about. And he was seconded. He had a couple of retweets on that. So, uh, Stephen, good thoughts there. Um, that's one to consider. So until then, next week, it is Takashi Miike, the top five. That should be good. And uh, this is the Fright Club podcast. I'm Hope Madden. And I am George Wolf from MadWolf.com. Until next week. Stay frightful, my friends. Fright Club!